1: Bible teacher wrote the following about the Apostle Paul. Peer into the prison, see him for yourself, bent and frail, shackled to the arm of a Roman guard. Behold the Apostle of God. Who knows when his back last fell to bed or his mouth knew a good meal? Three decades of travel and trouble, and once he got to show for it, there's squabbling in Philippi, competition in Corinth, the legalists are swarming in Galatia, Crete is plagued by money grabbers. Even some of Paul's own friends have turned against him. Dead broke, no family, no property, nearsighted and worn out. Oh, he had his moments. Spoke to an emperor once, but couldn't convert him. Gave a lecture at Mars Hill's men's club, but wasn't asked to speak there again. Then Paul hit the road and never got off. Ephesus, Thessalonica, Athens, Malta. The only list longer than his itinerary was his misfortune. got stoned in one city and stranded in another, nearly drowned as many times as he nearly starved. If he spent more than one week in the same place, it was probably a prison. He never received a salary, had to pay his own travel expenses, kept a part-time job on the side to make ends meet. Doesn't look like a hero. Doesn't sound like one either. He was a Christian killer before he was a Christian leader, At times his heart was so heavy, Paul's pen drug itself across the page. One minute he's in charge, the next he's in doubt. One day he's preaching, the next day he's in prison. And that's where I'd like you to look at him. Look at him in the prison. Pretend you don't know him. You're a guard or a cook or a friend of the executioner. and You've come to get one last look at the guy while they sharpen the blade. What you see shuffling around in his cell isn't too much, but what I lean over and tell you is that man will shape the course of history. We see the ministry of the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians chapter 6 verses 3 through 10. We see the hardships and sufferings he endured for Christ in his ministry as the Apostle of the Gentiles. It's true, though, that through Paul's life and ministry that he shaped the course of history. If more would note the significance of Paul and the importance of his unique apostleship and message, the church would have so much less confusion and it would be the light that God intended it to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 read, "...giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed." But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience. When Paul says giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, Paul was concerned about doing something, anything that would discredit himself in the ministry of reconciliation. In the context here, he was protective of the integrity of his mission, the integrity of the gospel, the integrity of the God that he represented. He did not want the ministry to be blamed or discredited because of his life. Paul avoided doing anything that would cause someone to reject the gospel on his account. And that's a good concern for all of us to have, too. Because people look for excuses, don't they, to justify their rejection of Christ. They're looking for excuses to justify their sin. And the most common excuse, and the favorite one they like to find, is that Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites. Like Paul, we must be sensitive to our lives providing no excuse for unbelievers to resist the truth of the gospel. When Paul says giving no offense in anything, he wanted people to be able to look at his life as close as they could possibly look with as much scrutiny as they could possibly muster and find nothing that would give offense or literally be a stumbling block to someone trusting Christ or cause the ministry of the gospel to be blamed or discredited. Now, all that doesn't mean we have to be perfect because none of us are perfect in life. Paul wasn't perfect either. We all fail. What it's about is about being faithful and genuine with our faith. It's about living close to the Lord, living by His Word, which keeps us from the things that might discredit the gospel. It's about thinking of things ahead of time that might be a stumbling block to someone trusting the gospel and then avoiding those things. In verse 3, Paul talked about what he didn't do. And then in verse 4, Paul talks about what he did do. In all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Paul understood that he needed his character to be approved and commendable, and consistent with what he taught and with what he preached. He wanted to behave as a minister or a servant of God in all things. He endeavored to live in a way that was appropriate to one who belonged to God, who was his servant. And so he sought to carry out his ministry in a manner that was above reproach. In doing so, that made the gospel and the truth of God that he shared believable to others. And Paul lived as a minister of God in much patience or endurance, he talks about there. He was faithful in living for the Lord as his minister, and he did it over the long run. Living a consistent and faithful life for the Lord by the believer shows a selfless concern for the souls of the unbelieving around us. Paul did this with much endurance so that he wasn't an obstacle, but rather a conduit to people trusting Christ as their personal Savior. Paul also had been a man of much patience or endurance and had not quit when the going got tough in the ministry. And we see in the verses following that the going did get tough for Paul, but out of his concern for the souls of people, he never, ever quit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the rest of verse 4 and verse 5 read, In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Paul doesn't paint the gospel ministry with pastel colors and rainbows, flowers, and butterflies. He, He paints it with dark colors and dark stormy clouds. And he presents a realistic picture of the life of one who fully gives himself to the Lord and to his service. Now, this is not the description of ministry that you would expect to find in a seminary brochure or would expect to hear from someone recruiting people for the ministry. What this passage teaches us is that in our service to the Lord, we should prepare ourselves for both pleasant and unpleasant times. It shows that ministry is a mixed bag. It's characterized by ups and downs, Brighter times and then dark times, too. It also reminds us that while we may not face beatings, imprisonments, and riots in the United States for being believers, people around the world do today. And it reminds us, too, that one day maybe we will. As this dispensation progresses and the rapture approaches, maybe we will face those things in this country. Paul had much patience and endurance, and he first talks about in afflictions. Afflictions means anything that exerts pressure, physical pressure, emotional, spiritual pressure, crushing experiences. It speaks of pressures or circumstances that press in on you and weigh you down. Necessities, as he goes on there, is doing without things that make life comfortable and secure. Being deprived of basic necessities of food, clothing, and shelter. It denotes the distress which comes from being in need. In distresses means to be pushed into tight spots, feeling cornered or trapped, confined. Being in an unrelenting place where there seems to be no escape. Paul had things burdening his heart, circumstances which crushed and, and weighed him down. And he experienced the stress of being without the basic needs of life and the stress of being in places where he didn't know where to turn, and he felt trapped. As he goes on there in verse 5, and stripes speaks of Paul's beatings and whippings. And we can only imagine the physical pain he had from this. Later in this book, recalling his persecutions, Paul said, "...in stripes above measure of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one." The Jews, according to the law of Moses did not give more than 40 stripes. The Romans, though, they didn't have that kind of law. When he was beaten by Gentiles, they went as long as they wanted, and they gave him many stripes, stripes above measure. In Philippi, after Paul was unjustly beaten in Acts 16.23, it says, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison. He goes on and talks about in imprisonments. Paul was imprisoned many times. Again, later in the book, Paul says, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent. So he was beaten above measure, but in prisons more frequently than that. And Tumult speaks of tumultuous situations, or riots literally, which put Paul in the middle of mob violence, civil disorders, and public outcries. Already when he wrote this, Paul had faced mobs in Damascus, Jerusalem, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Ephesus. These tumults and uproars often followed Paul's preaching of the gospel of grace and the Jews stirring up the Gentiles against Paul. Paul's message and experience was not health, wealth, and prosperity. It was the opposite. He was beaten, poor, and in need. Paul experienced these things because he was serving the Lord and making Christ and the message of reconciliation known. This was the world's reaction to the truth, to beat Paul, throw him in jail, and riot against him. Paul goes on when he talks about in labors and watchings and fastings. Paul endured the private disciplines of commitment to the cause of Christ, labor, sleeplessness, and hunger. And labors that word means to work to the point of exhaustion and weariness. It's the toil that takes everything you got and you have nothing left. Paul worked hard in the ministry and evangelizing and planting and organizing and caring for the churches. And he also worked hard on his side jobs and his tent making, working with his hands to provide a living for himself so he wasn't a financial burden on the churches that he
0: planted. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to bereanbiblesociety.org. 2 Corinthians
2: is a hardcover, 240-page verse-by-verse commentary, written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamm. It is interesting, indeed, to note how many profound doctrines are discussed in 2 Corinthians, in contrast to all the rebukes, corrections, and instructions found in 1 Corinthians. Two of the greatest of these are the New Covenant and the Doctrine of Reconciliation. May its truths have their God-appointed effect on our lives. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.boreanbiblesociety.org
0: To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine The Berean Searchlight call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.boreanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts and now back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin.
1: Watching means to lay in bed with your eyes wide open, watching or looking around in the middle of the night. It speaks of sleeplessness and sleepless nights. It's been said that insomnia should be called resisting arrest. And Paul was resisting arrest that night. Paul was kept awake because of the mental stresses and the responsibilities of ministry. Fasting speaks of Paul willingly going without food. It's not because he was trying to do it for spiritual reasons or to be closer to the Lord. He was just busy. He was working hard. And this was voluntary abstinence from food because he had things to do and things to get done for the Lord. And he'd eat later. He fasted because he was serving the Lord. Verses 6 and 7 read, By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Verses 6 and 7, Paul refers to the spiritual graces which enabled him to carry on his ministry. These are the spiritual tools needed for the gospel ministry. By pureness speaks of cleanness and blamelessness. Paul kept himself morally clean. He had... Purity of life, purity of motive. And it's at the top of this list of spiritual graces because it's so important in the gospel ministry to live a life above reproach before the lost. By knowledge, Paul's ministry was conducted by an understanding of divine knowledge. This is easily shown by the breadth of truth and knowledge revealed in Paul's epistles. By knowledge, Paul knew sound doctrine, and he was committed to it. He grasped God's redeeming love and purpose. He understood God's eternal purposes for both the earth, for the nation of Israel, and the heavenlies for the body of Christ. Later in this book, in Second Corinthians eleven six, Paul said, "But Though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. By long-suffering here refers to patience with difficult people. The Corinthians should not have needed any proof of this. They were difficult people. But the patient way in which he dealt with them was proof of his long suffering in his ministry. People can test your patience, but people never exasperated Paul to the degree where he set the truth aside, threw his hands up in the air, and walked away from ministry. He was long suffering for the gospel's sake, for the sake of Of the lost. Kindness is goodness in action. The word means that he did good to people. A lot of people did a lot of bad things to Paul, but it didn't change him from being kind. Paul's kindness was shown by how he faithfully spread the gospel, which is the ultimate kindness. By the Holy Ghost, when he says that, that's really the heart of it all. The reason all of the rest of this was true was because of the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of Paul. Because Paul was walking in the Spirit, and served by the power of the Spirit, and didn't quench the Holy Spirit, he manifested these fruits of the Spirit in his life. And that's why he lived with a view toward being no stumbling block toward the lost. How he manifested pureness, knowledge, long-suffering, and kindness in his life. All of that was a fruit of the Holy Spirit. By love and fain speaks of genuine love. This also is a product of the working of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. Galatians 5.22 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it goes on from there. Romans 5.5 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The love which was so obvious in the life of the Apostle Paul toward others was not faked, it was not hypocritical, was not a sham, wasn't a pretense, it was genuine, love unfeigned. His love was sincere for the unbelieving and truly want, wanting what was best for them, that they would be saved from their sins and be reconciled to God by faith in Christ. A.T. Robertson writes, in these climactic sentences, Paul lets his imagination loose, and it plays like lightning in the clouds, he says. You can feel that in verse 7 here. Then he says, by the word of truth. The word of truth in this context of the ministry of reconciliation is the gospel. Ephesians 1.13 says, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The word of truth is the gospel, the good news that God is reconciling sinners through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ as he described in chapter 5. The word of truth Paul shared and what we share is for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. By the power of God speaks to the power of the gospel, the power of the cross. For Romans 1.16, as it says there, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Paul preached it in the power of God by the Holy Spirit. And he sought reveal the power of God in saving souls and transforming lives. Paul says, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. The word armor is not the same word used for armor when speaking of the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. It's actually the same Greek word translated weapons later in this book when Paul speaks of the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God in 2 Corinthians 10.4. It's speaking of the instruments or weapons of righteousness. He's, Paul's saying, I'm armed and I'm ready in both hands, on the right and the left, to fight on all sides. And my weapons, he says, are the weapons of righteousness. The weapons of righteousness, I believe, are the word of God and prayer. We use the weapons of God's word and prayer to bring sinners the truth of the gospel, to expose error. So what unbelievers think is the truth, might crumble before the power of the gospel so that they might trust it and humbly bow the knee to Christ in faith. Verses 8-10 through read, "...by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing." As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Here in these verses, Paul describes some of the sharp contrasts and opposite responses that are found in the ministry of reconciliation. They show how it really is in this world. By honor and dishonor, in sharing the gospel, you are praised by some, and you are despised by others. Paul was treated as a man of honor and respected, and at the same time he was treated with contempt and disrespected. It all goes with the ministry. It all goes with the witness for Christ. Light and dark, sun and shadow, It fills the life of the person that gives themselves to the ministry for Christ. Paul received glory and praise from some, and he received nothing but dishonor and hate from others. By evil and good report, In the gospel ministry, we should not expect all to speak well of us as we're faithful to God and we're faithful to the truth of His Word. Some people gave a good report of the Apostle Paul, and some gave an evil report. Some happily celebrated the impact of his life on them as he brought the truth of God to them. While Others assaulted his character and slandered him. This is the life of one who is a force for the truth, someone who makes an impact, one who is a confronter of truth and error. It is their legacy to have this kind of polarized and opposite kind of response. As deceivers and yet true, this was said of our Lord in John 7 verse 12, and there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, for some said he is a good man, others said nay, but he deceiveth the people. Satan wants to destroy the reputation of of those who speak the truth of God's word. Paul was called a liar and a deceiver by those who hated the truth. And yet he was true. A true servant of God who spoke the truth of God. As unknown and yet well known, Paul says. A grace pastor from years ago, Pastor Harlan Shriver, once described himself in the pulpit as unknown from coast to coast. Paul was ignored unappreciated, unknown by many in this world. Yet for others, he was such an important person and well-known because he brought them the truth of the gospel of grace. For some people, Paul was an obscure nobody. And for others, he meant so much. And that's how it is. There's a world out there that doesn't know who the faithful are. But we know as members of the church, and God knows them. And they're unknown, and yet they're known. It's dying, and behold, we live. Paul was always living on the brink of death. In chapter 1, verse 9 of this book, Paul said, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Paul's enemies were dogging him, trying to destroy him. Death was a constant stalker in his ministry. Yet Paul was absolutely alive, living a passionate life for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's chastened and not killed, he says... He was beaten and imprisoned and persecuted and punished relentlessly, yet he was not killed, not put to death. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, he was sorrowful over the rejection of the gospel, over his unbelieving Jewish countrymen, sorrowful over false teachers and false teachings, over sin and disobedience in the churches. Paul got down, and he got discouraged sometimes in ministry. But yet, he says, he was always rejoicing. He never lost his joy. He had a deep, abiding, unfailing joy because of the grace of God, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that we have in Him. As poor, yet making many rich, Paul had very little of this world's possessions and wealth. We know, as we've learned here, that he was often in need of the most basic necessities of life, of food, clothing, and shelter. Paul was poor, and yet he made people eternally rich. By his ministry, lives were enriched by faith in Christ. By Paul sharing the gospel and God's word, people found the true riches of heaven. of The hope that we have in Christ, the, the life we have in him, the eternal spiritual blessings we have in Christ. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. Though Paul possessed nothing in this world, yet he had all things that really counted. By God's Word, we learn that in Christ, we possess all things. We possess true riches, true blessing, lasting treasure, what is of true and everlasting worth. The paradox of ministry is to be expected. It happened to Paul. It's happened to all those who faithfully preached the ministry of reconciliation. There's a cost to the gospel ministry, but it's worth it. It's worth it to save just one soul, from an eternity of conscious suffering in hell. In the front lines of the spiritual warfare, and in spite of the hardship of his ministry, Paul can be seen here as weary but undaunted, beaten but not broken, bruised but never given up. May the same be true of us in our ministries for Christ, that we remain undaunted, not broken, never given up for the glory of our Savior.
2: Two Minutes with the Bible, a daily devotional written by Cornelius R. Stamm. Two Minutes with the Bible is a timeless classic that our beloved founder, C.R. Stamm, compiled from newspaper articles he had written for various publications. We at the Berean Bible Society are firm believers in the importance of daily devotions to further spiritual growth. What better way to show our appreciation for all of God's bountiful blessings? Then, by spending time with an open Bible and this daily devotional. May God use this work to bring you to a deeper understanding of the riches of His grace in Christ Jesus.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.BoreanBibleSociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750 or if you prefer write us at the Berean Bible Society P.O. Box 756 Germantown, Wisconsin 53022 Now until next time may you be transformed by God's grace.